Welcome to Stories of Change and Creativity. I'm Judy Oscom. On this episode, I'm super excited to introduce you to my mom, Joanne. Joanne is going to be 91 this summer, so no one knows more about change and creativity than she does. I hope this is the first of a couple of interviews, but I've tried to get her on the podcast before. In this episode, we talk about life for women in the 50s, family, travel, and the power of choice. Please listen in for some life lessons. I think you might enjoy this conversation. I know I did. You know, the, sto- the topic of this podcast is change and creativity. Right. And I think throughout your long life, you've had a lot of changes. Yes, a lot of changes. And I think it would be important for our listeners to hear how you approach change. Let's start there and just see where we go. Well, really, Judy, I've learned through this long 90 years that life is a matter of choice. You can choose to go one way, and if it turns out to maybe be the wrong way, You can come back and choose again. So in my long life, I've seen so many changes and so many creative things that people have come up with, and I myself have come up with at times, but I was a bride of the 50s. Yeah. And I don't know if you want to know about the 50s or not, or if anyone would be interested But a bride of the 50s was not her own um, person, person. her own person. She was really a person who was told through magazines and movies and, and her family that she was to do what her husband or her boss would say, and she did. And that's how I grew up. That's how I learned. The first thing I ever heard about bad things in my life was when we had Pearl Harbor. Sure. And I don't know if you want to hear about all these things. I think it's fascinating. But Pearl Harbor was affected everybody in the country. I remember the day that they announced over the... It was all radio then. I remember the day they announced that that Pearl Harbor was happening and every man, every able-bodied or not so able-bodied, every man went to down to where they told them was the draft place and 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 applied for the army or the navy or whatever because every man was willing to uh take care of a war to save our country, we thought at the time. Mm-hmm. Now, maybe that's not interesting. I, well, I think it's great. And, and I think, too, when, when you think about um, the, the, the times and what you remember back then. Now, you, you started working very early. You were, you were working full-time in high school. Right, right. I was at 16. And at 16, in, in the time of the 50s, 
you were a professional working woman. How did that exactly. talk about that? Well, well, I always I always needed money because there wasn't much money in the family uh, for me uh, or for anybody else. Sure. There wasn't any extra of anything. And uh, at 16, my mom took me. Now, this is strange, but my mom took me to meet the the chief operator of Northwestern Bell in Iowa. And she took me to meet her. And this woman, this, this woman, I, I don't even remember her name now, but she oversaw the, all of the young women. Mom wanted me to be a nurse. Her sister was a nurse. And I didn't have the feeling for being a nurse. I, I didn't. I kept thinking about blood and people yeah. passing out and right. falling down. Yeah. And how would I handle that? Right. But I felt like I could work as an operator of all kinds. And that chief operator took me and put me at the switchboard. And I had a trainer who would teach me how. And within like six months of coming to work after school I'd work in the I'd go to school in the morning and uh and after I'd go back at go home at noon take a shower put on my business clothes cuz I wasn't a teenager there I was a business person and go back uh to the office and work like 2 to 10 would be my hours wow 10 o'clock come home and do my studies for the next day. It's a funny thing because uh, I never had gotten anything below a B, except the last year, my last class in the morning was, uh, uh, I think, gym class or PE or whatever they called it. And instead of going to PE, I'd go home, and that gave me an extra hour to get myself ready for work. So at the end of this the uh, semester, I got a D for not being in attendance. And I was really upset with that because I got a D instead of the A and B that I always had. But nevertheless, I would work, uh, and it, within six months, I uh, learned all of the switchboard, the long distance, the troubleshooting, the information, and was promoted to being uh, what we called a service assistant. So I was the person who sat back in the chair behind a switchboard and and was there to help the other operators. Uh-huh. So that was quite a... At 16. At 16. Yeah, that's great. And... When I was 17, the summer I was 17 and would be my last year of school, um, or that it had been my last year of school, um, the manager from the main business office, the public business office, came to ask me if I would come down and work in the business office. So instead of being in the traffic department, where people were making calls, receiving calls, doing all that uh, traffic business, I was down, and he set me at the front desk 
to greet people when they came in the front door. And those people coming in were generally people who were complaining about something Mm -hmm. because you didn't go into the business office unless you were complaining. Very (laughs) few people came into the business office to say, I love the telephone (laughs) service. (laughs) But nevertheless, being at the communications, um, I lived through the, the, the war communications where no one could have more than one telephone. And so it was um, uh, the type of position that you would have trying to make people happy not having an upstairs, uh, you know, uh, extension phone or anything like that. And almost after the war, a few months after the war, I noticed that it was almost instant that we were suddenly selling and promoting colored extensions wherever you wanted one in the right, house, right. wall extensions wherever you wanted. So that was that was something that you realized that the business people, the people in charge of manufacturing thing uh, products and all, were already way ahead. They were waiting for the war to be over to tell us that we could promote and, and sell. sell products. And sell. Yeah. So the training situation for people at the Bell System was immediately turned around on its head because uh-huh. then we started selling uh-huh. things. Uh-huh. But well, and and yeah. you've always you've always worked throughout your long life as you have needed to. And exactly. So, so can you talk about that? Whenever, uh, as a, as a uh, family, whenever we were, would be, like moved to a certain location or something because of job changes or whatever that might be, and I needed to contribute some, uh, and and in the fifties, um, the look of a family everywhere you saw the look of a family would be. The wife at home, the father off to work, and the children in school. So uh, if father lost a job or was in a new job that wasn't uh, elevated to a different position or something, then it was time for mama to go help. I always could go back, like the nurse who could always get a job wherever she might be, I was always the person who could go back to the bell system. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. I would go back and work whenever we needed that extra money, like if we bought a house. And maybe we would have a, a one time I went back to work so that we could buy furniture when we had our first little house. And my salary bought all of the the family room and dinette furniture. We ended up going for years with no furniture in the living room because we just didn't have the money to do it. And I'll never forget, I think I've told you about the party that we had one time when my friend uh, Mary Nell, uh, the music was on and we were dancing in the living room because there was nothing but a beautiful floor. (laughs) And my friend Mary Nell, who was a little more pounds than she needed, did a split with high heels on, and there was always a groove in that floor 
because of that. <laughs> always remember a good party. <laughs> right. Oh well. Well, and 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 I, you know, I I remember, of course, as a child, uh, you always being at home and always being around. And I want to say thank you for that because I think that oh. is so important to have, you know, that constant support at home as as a mom. I think that's important. But I also saw that you and dad were such good partners in your, what you did. Dad, dad being an entrepreneur and you also an entrepreneur helping him, whatever he was into then. <laughs> so, I was always a little worker person at home. <laughs> yeah. I always took care of the, the money. Uh, I could always tell him how much money we had to do this or that. And uh, so I was always, that makes me think of what my mom said to me one time. She said, Joanne, why do you always hide your light under a bushel? Which was an old-fashioned saying. Right. Why don't you come out and do some things? But my life, to me, all I ever wanted to do was to have a happy family and be at home to take care of my children. So whenever I did volunteer work, which I did for a number of years at the hospital, uh, I would make sure that I got home by the time you children were home. Sure. Right. And that was that was another thing of the 50s wife. Sure. She was always going to be home when she her children needed her. And I had the luxury of being able to do that most of the time. Right, right. And when when you guys, when you and Dad, you you and Dad were married, how many years? Oh, almost sixty six years. That's that's before. a pretty good, uh, yes. pretty good run there, Mom. Yes, right. It really was. We saw many things. We traveled many places. We traveled in the years when our compadres, you know, our friends, our married friends, were not traveling. It was about. 20 years later that our married friends started traveling in their positions and the man's job or right. whatever, um, because Dad and I would go to places like Moscow or Tehran or London, London yeah. places that our, our friends never got to until they started taking vacations or were employed with positions enough that they would travel. So we were very lucky in that. It was it was really um, an education for me because though Dad, as you know, got to travel a lot of parts of the world and work, I got to go along. And that's how I learned to never take more than two pieces of luggage because uh -huh. he said, he could carry two, his own and my one, and I could carry one, but there would be places we would go to that if I didn't take the right amount of luggage, we could not make it maybe. Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. so we'd travel all sorts of places where we, where we could go together and still have everything we need. And some of those places were party places that sure. we would go we had to, to conventions. Wear the long dresses and yes. And those days we wore the long gowns and the high heels and oh my goodness. Jewelry and everything. Yes. Yeah. Yes, such memory. Well what did you know, when you think about traveling the world and you were two kids from Iowa 
Cedar yes. Rapids, Iowa. Yes. What did that travel do for just your understanding of how the world works? Well, I think it, travel always will will give you an education. I don't care what kind of travel it is, if it's for work or if it's for pleasure. You look around, if you're observant at all, you would look around and see how other people are living, what they're using for their uh, adventures or or what they're... Uh, I remember I my mom was always a meat-potatoes kind of cook, and that's how I ended up. But eating out in different places in the world... You you soon learned that there there was so much else out there. That's not a correct word, but there was so much out there that you didn't know. Take advantage of the things you you see around you. You become so much happier and so much uh, more um, content. Sh- content, maybe. Maybe it is content. Some people go along and travel, and then they're very discontented when they come home. Yeah. But Dad and I always, when we would go off for a week or two, we would always just die for a hamburger in in the states. Yeah, because you didn't get that in other countries, you know, like yeah. it was. Now yeah. they now they have it all over. But in the sixties and seventies, when we traveled a lot, they didn't. Yeah. What would you, you know, you have, you have grandchildren and, and what, what would be um, something you would hope they would understand about family? Because you, you have been the glue that I think held our family together over the years. And you're our matriarch in the family now. What would be a message you would talk to them about family if you could share with them anything? Well, I, I'm of the opinion that nobody really cares to listen to an old woman talk, but I'll answer you the best I can is that I, I think if if my grandchildren realize how important it is to be honest and decent, then that will get you through everything. Don't try to short change your your whatever you're into or anything, stand up, be a, a proud person for yourself. I know, that sounds so simple, right? It, it sounds, sounds so, so simple. simple. I recall my my father, my birth father, uh, one time shortchanged a woman on a pro, uh, a piece of. Uh, he was an upholsterer. He shortchanged. A woman, 10 cents, when he got home. By mistake. Yes, a mistake. And when he got home and looked at his invoice that he'd given her, it was 10 cents to his favor. And isn't that strange that his honesty made him go all the way back to her house and correct it? And from then on, that woman admired my dad because of his honesty and yet it didn't have to be just that just just be as decent and honest a person that's why people always say you are known by the friends you keep mm-hmm. and the friends you keep if you are cultivating uh friendships that are decent and honest 
You'll be in the group that is always admired. You may not be the, the richest or the prettiest or whatever, but you will always be admired for your stand-up person. Mm -hmm. And uh, I think Dad and I tried to portray that to you kids as much as you children as much as we could. And that's what I would tell the grandchildren. Just be decent and honest and it'll, it'll serve you well. Well, and let's just touch on, too, you, you guys, uh, you kind of, you had a lot of bumps in the road as far as career and life and like everyone does, but you and Dad started, sort of started over in your 60s. Yes. I have always admired that and wondered, how did you do that? In the 80s, we lost almost everything financially because of the oil crisis. In the 80s, I think it was the 80s. And our our investments were all related to the oil business or um, uh, the job that Dad had. So we had to just, just remember how it was when we started out. We had nothing to start out. He was the fourth year in the Navy that we... Uh, started out with very little and every penny every every dime meant something to us but we always we always remembered how it was when we began or how we saw how our parents came through the tough times of the depression and the old saying of when you leave the room if the light is on in the room Always turn it off. You get in such a habit. It's like your tiny habits thing that you're talking about <laughs> yeah, a lot because yeah. it's a tiny thing. But if you do that regularly, then you'd find that your your light bill isn't so high. Or And that sounds so simple. But it really was how we learned to get back to get back on our feet and work. Um as hard as we could, and we just made it. I mean, we just were determined to make it. He worked out, I worked in. It's right, right. Inside. And from what I saw as, as your daughter, I saw that, um, you, know, you know, the challenge of doing that in your 60s when a lot of your friends were getting ready to retire and winding down, and you're sort of, sort of winding up again. Right. We were... And we did. I don't know. I don't know how to. Well, I, I just, I have such admiration for that because I feel like um, it's not easy to get back on your feet. No, it isn't. But Dad was, was a determined, very entrepreneurial person. And I, I think he taught me a lot in that regard because... I was the person who always just worked at the same same thing. Uh, all I wanted was to take care of a family. And he was very entrepreneurial and he would he would get bigger jobs than maybe he knew how to handle, but he would they would admire him. His character was good. And so he would get into things that I just stay at home and help. That's yeah. all I can say. Yeah. I think I was, 
I love the idea of, of he worked out and you worked in. And that yes. partnership, I think, is important. And what would you tell our, the grandkids? I keep going back to the grandkids because that's an easy mark, right? What would you tell them about relationships and finding a partner? That's a, that's a thing that is hard to explain. In my way of thinking, every couple... And it is a, a world of couples. It's, it's a world for couples. But every couple remembers the time that they fell in love. I, I don't know how to explain that. I remember the time Dad and I fell in love. You probably remember the time you and Felix fell in love. It's, it's always just a moment in time. Um, it might be, we were in a, on a Ferris wheel. We, he was home on leave. We were on a, we went to a, uh, oh, what do you call a it? Carnival. Carnival, carnival. carnival, I guess, or fair. And we were on the Ferris wheel and the Ferris wheel stopped and the fair, and we were way at the top of the Ferris wheel sort of like we were on top of the world. And we looked at each other, and he kissed me and said, I love you, and and I said the same thing. And, and But I remember the touch. I remember the, oh, it's... <laughs> the wind, the everything. Everything, yeah. the colors, the lights. And from then on, we'd planned to be married when he returned from the service because he'd signed up for three years. And how in the world we thought we would ever make it? How in the world we ever thought we would have money enough to do anything? But we did, you know. We, we, we got together and worked at it, and he worked very hard, and I did too. You did too. I did yes. too, yes. Yeah. It's funny that's that's my explanation for relationships because I remember I have a grandson as you know who came home from school in love with a, a person from another side of the world. And I just thought at the time he's told me how many times they have talked and how he fell in love with her nature and how she is and and there's no other explanation it just happens he was 22 and or 23 i can't remember which and we have another couple in the family of the grandchildren and they too sort of had a moment They'd been together for yeah. a number of years. William but and Melissa, yes. They had a moment, William and Melissa, and they had a moment when they decided it was time to get married. It's it's just um, the well, people who've missed that, that one time when you know that you're, and people call it your soulmate and so on, maybe that's what it is, but... I remember when you fell in love and... Well, I remember asking you, Mom, how do you know? And you said, you'll just know. You'll just right. know. 
and that was I never really knew that until I knew until you experienced it. So I think that is true, and I've told my my girls, you'll just know, you know. It wasn't a good answer, I thought, when when you told me that. Probably not. But it was true. I probably gave you a lot of answers no, that were true. not too good. No, it was true, though. It was true, just kind of knowing. And I think being open to just letting it happen. I think yes. there's a lot to be said for that. Yes. There are many times you hear people say, oh, they'll never make it. Like somebody might have said about us that we'll sure. never make it. Sure. And I myself didn't know sometimes if we would make it, but we always did. And 66 years is a very good track record. Track record. You're right. It's <laughs> yes, a track record. Yes. yes. Yeah. And we we got along most of the time, adjusted to each other. Yeah. It's well, been a wonderful life. It really has been a wonderful life. 90 years, I'm... Sitting here in the, in a pandemic, the end of my life is working through a pandemic. God, whoever thought we would be doing this? Well, and we, I keep telling you we're going to make it through the pandemic, Mom. Yeah, I know and you do. I know that's you do. a challenge because that's another first in our generation. I'm grateful to be able to get up and walk without a walker yet. I have one. But I'm very grateful that I've yeah. been in good health, that I have you children who take care of me so well. And I'm, but on the other hand, I sometimes think if there is a heaven and if dad is there in the heaven, that's kind of, I'm kind of clinging to the idea that he is waiting for me. Oh, well, sure. Isn't that strange? No, I think he probably None of is. us know. No. No, but uh, he's probably got it all organized up there. That's what you. I'm thinking. <laughs> I think he has a beautiful house for me. <laughs> yes, of course. And you'll decorate it because you love that part of it, too. Well, that's so. another thing about life. Uh, I think people are uh, make a mistake when they decide that this particular home is where they will always be. If you're anchored to one building or one place or city or or yes, yeah. you're missing out on a lot of things because though people are the same all over, they are a little different in different places. So it's an experience. I always looked at it as as a, an experience, as an adventure. I used to say to you kids when we would get lost in the car or something, I'd say, another one of Mother's adventures. Yes, I remember those times. Yes, <laughs> and I did get lost in the car a lot of times. But Well, and I, I think I always appreciated your approach to change. And when things happen, there was always, and I think that's part of your, your positive, is your, in, in, in your nature, you're just a positive person, but... You're very forward thinking about how do we get from here to there. Right. If you think about it, it's that's a choice. And that's back to your earlier comments yes. about choice. That's, that's how I've point. always lived, yeah. that there, there's a choice. And if you make the right choice, if you've made the wrong choice, you'll see. And you'll turn around and decide that was wrong. It's no big deal. Everybody, It's human nature. But 
Oh, Judy, I don't. Well, I've been, I've been excited to talk to you, Mom, and I, so I want to thank you for, for joining us on this episode. And we might do another one if you're up for that. I think we'll see how it goes. But well, we I want to thank you for sharing your, your wisdom and your uh, nuggets, because I think you do have valuable lessons, and you certainly did for me. Well, thank you, And Judy. I think you will for others as well. So. I love you, honey. Me You're too. just perfect. Me too. <laughs> Me too. I've Me always too. said I have two perfect children. Well, you have one. five perfect grandchildren. <laughs> That's true. That's true. <laughs> All right. Thank you, Mom. You're welcome. Thanks for joining us today on Stories of Change and Creativity. Please take a moment and review this podcast. And remember, if you've got a story to share or know someone who does, please reach out to me at judyoscom.com. Thanks for listening.